3: a Hello and welcome to episode 131 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and I hope you're doing well. After last week's two-all draw with Blackpool, it was nice for the Cherries to have an EFL Cup distraction. Call it what you will, the League Cup, the Carabao Cup, but after the full-time results, most people called it the Capitulation Cup. 6-0 we lost. Not the best of performances. It was a horror show at Carry Road as Norwich progressed to the next round. But the silver lining of the cloud was that they faced Liverpool in the next round. So would we have wanted to get through? No, I don't think so. So back to the league on Saturday. And this weekend, Bournemouth fans had a hull of a journey as they travelled in their numbers up to East Riding of Yorkshire to face the Tigers, where we hoped that we would be able to maul them that's a Tiger joke, and leave them feeling far from great. That's a Tony the Tiger Frosty's joke. This week on the show, I'm joined by Keithy e. T, who travelled up with us in the car from Milford on Sea, a Cherries fan for a long, long time. You've probably seen him on a number of YouTube videos, but it's myself and Keith talking you through events at the MKM Stadium. So this week on the show, I'm delighted to be joined by my travel colleague up to the MKM Stadium and that's Mr Keithy T, Keith Thomas from Milford on Sea. How are you, sir?
1: Not too bad. A little bit tired. I think everyone else who went up probably be feeling the same as me. But a great journey up and a great journey back and it was brilliant to see everyone there and had a really good day despite the results.
3: Yeah, despite the result. Because I think when you look at certain games, and I always hate to be that stereotypical sort of putting teams in brackets, but you're looking at the teams that are promoted from League One and you're thinking, okay, let's get three points against these guys. So Blackpool at home should have got three points. And Hull away, a point's not bad, but... We should have got three. And in hindsight, looking at what they were like as a footballing side, I felt as though knowing the quality of the personnel that we have got, even with the injuries, we should have had enough. But it just didn't quite work out to be the case, did it?
1: Yeah, it was a really flat game, actually. Um, I wonder if the midweek result affected uh, Scott's outlook on the game. Um, he, He just set up a bit more defensively. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a moment. But it was a flat game. There wasn't many highlights on either side. And I think both sides seem to be settling for a point there. But uh, obviously, we've got the transfer window coming up. And uh, yeah, it, yeah, a bit disappointing. But, uh, you know, we haven't dropped three points and we're unbeaten so, so far. So that's all good.
3: Yeah, that is all good. And that is what most of the players, I don't know if they were told to put that out, but we seemingly got a conveyor belt of player tweets effectively saying the same thing. I'm beaten in five or whatever it is we are now. So, yeah, we are sat on nine points at the moment in, what is it, sixth position. So we're certainly certainly still in contention, but it just feels a little bit reminiscent of when Jason Tindall had a lot of draws as well. I don't know if you're getting that feeling.
1: I, I said that on after the match uh, on the podcast. Uh, it felt like last season all over again. Not necessarily the, the mindset, but the way we set up, we were playing more defensively than we had been previously. Um, maybe that's to do with the personnel, but it, it, it just was a feeling of deja vu again. You know, there was a team there potentially for the taking. We didn't really grab it and... Um, Seemed to settle for a point. So, yeah, very similar to Jason's period and parts of uh, Woody's period as well.
3: So when the teams were announced, Keith, at two o'clock, we were there in the new Walton Club, pound to get in cheap drinks loads of AC Bournemouth fans in there really good to be meeting up with uh, a load of lads that we we've known in person but also known just for a thumbnail on on the computer screen so it was a chance for you to meet the likes of uh, Ben Yousaf and John Spark and Dan Giron, and you know loads of people like that that you just sort of met online and there's nothing better than an away day. I I don't know why it is. You travel in limited numbers. It's a, it's a siege mentality. You have that pride when you're wearing the Bournemouth shirt and the services, when you're seeing all the other clubs, explain how it felt to you yesterday, wearing that red and black shirt.
1: Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, so many faces, so many people. And, uh, It's kind of strange because you've never met them before, but you feel, oh, I know these guys. And uh, that came across yesterday. I mean, a big shout out for Steve Hensman, who took us up there. He was was absolutely absolutely brilliant. Uh, And and Tom was great company as well. But it was great to see Ben and uh, Jamie Williams was there and Kirky and his gang were there. And it was uh, a, a real feeling of togetherness and, uh, you know, really, uh, really good fun. And, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. And it makes a change for me because I'm usually in the home end for away games. So to be amongst <laughs> proper Bournemouth fans, it's uh, it's excellent. So thoroughly enjoyed it. And the weather was spot on as well. So yeah. uh, I can't complain about that. Um, yeah, really, really good fun. Do it again. The-
3: They say it's grim up north, but it certainly wasn't yesterday. And Hull, we didn't see much of the city centre because we were on the other side of the stadium. But by all accounts, it is a very lovely city and uh, it didn't win a City of Culture Award in 2017 for nothing. I'm absolutely certain. So when the teams were announced, we've got it on screen for those watching on YouTube right now. By the way, to all that are and are leaving comments, it's great to see you on board. Thank you very much for your support and leaving your comments. Let us know what you thought about the game yesterday today we would love to know plus at the end of this show we've also got uh, some videos that have been sent in from people who who weren't able to go as well so it'd be really interesting to hear their views but we had Nyland in goal and then from right to left Jack Stacey, Chris Mepham, Lloyd Kelly and Jordan Zamura in midfield it's uh, Brooks, Lerma, Pearson, Jaden Anthony uh, we had Emilio Mccondes playing a bit farther forward as well, and also Dom Solanke as well. So it's shown as a 4-4-2 there. And look, we did actually switch formations um, a number of times throughout that. So Dom Solanke did start off as the lone striker, but it sort of morphed into a 4-4-2. But the, the big news for Bournemouth fans, no billing and no Mark Travers. We'll talk about Steve Cook later, but how did you feel about those two exclusions?
1: Caught me by surprise, actually. Mm. I mean, Billing's just been called up for, for Denmark. I don't know if it's COVID. Uh, that, that that Obviously, they've been precautionary about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I think when the team news was announced, it was a little bit of consternation amongst all of us. Like, what, what's happening to Phil? What's happening to Travis? So, it was an opportunity to see, obviously, Jeff back in. But yes. Phil, um, you know... He, he's such a key player now and uh, after the uh, the radio talk at Solent where he sounds really enthusiastic to stay mm. with us, um, it was a little bit surprising not to see him there. But obviously, if he is ill and, and if Mark's ill, I hope they get well soon and get back and get back there in the red and black for us.
3: Yeah, he, so he and Mark both travelled up, but they didn't play. So, yeah, it remains to be seen what the issue is there. They say it's illness. But as you just mentioned then, how good was it to see Jeff back? We've seen him training and, uh, yeah, he's done his six games now and he's playing for us, which is a, which is a good sign because mm. when players look like they're going to leave, they're usually protected by the club um, and for the club they're going to sign for so that the deal all goes through. But... He's playing for us, which to me indicates he's staying. Which Tom, I'm I'm absolutely certain will be chuffed to bits with. But what about you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's such a big character on the pitch, Huge. and he works so ha- works so hard for us. And uh, it sort of gives us that little bit of continuity, you know. I, I think Gavin has been absolutely brilliant, but mm. you can't but love his experience, his enthusiasm. We like his shit shithousery as well. So uh, I'm sure we're going to be seeing, hopefully, depending on what happens on Wednesday, uh, hopefully a lot more of that going forward. But uh, it was great to see
3: him back yesterday. No Steve Cook, though. And this was the one that a lot of fans are very much baffled by. And then Scott Parker's little tidbits afterwards released to the media all through AFCB seemed to indicate that he, he wasn't really in his plans. Um it seems like he's he's going, and there are rumours flying about that within the next 24, 48 hours we might hear something to confirm that. And it I don't know how I feel about this really because it it's a shame to see his A C Bournemouth career if it is to end peter out like it has done. But yeah, to be excluded from the squads not you know not a good sign, especially if he's you know hasn't got an injury. They didn't use the you know Josh King migraine excuse that they could have pulled out. I mean, they've got a whole list of excuses that they could have used, but but they didn't. What does that say to you, Keith?
1: Oh, it would be an end of an era. I mean, he's been our captain. He's oh. been through the journey. I still think he's got a lot to offer us. He's 30 years old. Um, yes, he looked off the pace on, on Tuesday night, but, you know, who could forget that Fulham goal? That, that world-class goal from a centre-back is, is, is something to relish. And he's just been a stalwart of the club. And mm. I, I, I've got to ask myself, yeah, obviously Cahill's got a, a great CV, but he's 35 years old. And, and Cookie is 30. So I don't know what the thinking is behind the move. Um, mm. No doubt... When Cookie releases his memoirs, he'll tell us why. But uh, I think he's just as despondent as the rest of us. You know, we, we, we've we only got Stanislas and 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 Smithy. Um, yeah, I think he would have given us so much experience. I, I mean, last season he was a, a rock for us. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I know it's a new era, but Gary is only here for a year. It's not like we're bringing in someone to to, to take us forward. It is a, literally a stopgap. So we'll yeah. have to wait and see. But, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm not so... I don't know. I don't know at all.
3: It's, it seems, it seems, you know, Parker wants to build a project, but, you know, you're bringing in someone that's only got a year contract because he's, because he is so old for a footballer, 35 years old in Gary Cahill, but Steve Cook, he can still do it like, so, it, you know, it looks like he will be off and it's, you know, it's yet to be con- confirmed where, of course, with the structure of the club as it, it is, it's it's not necessarily Scott Parker's decision and um, there are some decisions being made from above his head and whether he agrees with it or not is, you know, almost irregardless, it, you know, it, it it may not really matter what he thinks when certain people might not want Cookie there for one reason or another. Steve Cook's probably going to be on a high wage. So maybe that's one of the reasons why we have to get um, a shot of him. I don't know, but um, you know, either which way, at least on back of the net, I'm sure I, I would hope the club would do something, but on back of the net we will um, certainly uh, do a video out for Cookie because he is a legend of the club and uh, he's someone that somehow, Never had a chant from us, which was actually despicable, but never mind, never mind. Right, MKM Stadium then at Hull. Um, not a bad little, gro- I say little ground, it's a not a bad stadium, is it? Is one where they share it with the rugby, but um, you know, quite a nice size, but even still, they couldn't fill it.
1: No, no, that obviously they've got their issues there. They're with the ownership, the alums, and 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 that's still ongoing. So, I don't mm. know if fans are, are boycotting or or just a lack of enthusiasm, even though they've got promoted, but they've had a rollercoaster of a ride similar to Blackpool. Yeah. And, um, I was chatting to one or two of them on the, on the way in with, uh, John Sparks. And yeah, they're, they're not at all happy with the way the ownership is. And, uh, and it, and it showed on the gate attendants. Um, I mean, we took a small contingent up, but, yeah. uh, we, we, at points we were louder than that they, they were. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, yeah, it's difficult times for for a lot of clubs with finances as they are. But yeah, the the, the there was a the, one side was filled, but the rest of it was sprinkling of uh, of their fans, and uh, yeah, they were quiet throughout the game. So we'll, we'll yeah. see how, how they get get on going forward.
3: Certainly, I mean, I know that home fans sometimes are not as loud. I mean, you know, as Bournemouth fans, we know that because we I thought our our you know, decibel level against Blackpool was pretty poor, and as 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 an away set of fans, Blackpool were absolutely brilliant, and they had that party atmosphere. But you know, through being in the championship, it didn't have that feeling at Hull necessarily. But maybe they're different away. I'm, I'm sure they are. But look, let's get into the meat and, and bones of the actual match itself. And Keith, uh, you know, it it started off actually fairly frenetically uh, because Co- uh, Lloyd Kelly made a hell of an interception um because there was an early chance for the home side as tom huddleston found keen lewis potter uh beyond the back line and he he drilled the ball across the box in it and it looked destined to reach tyler smith but for kelly's outstretched leg which uh, diverted it away as it happened the linesman's flag was up but it was um It was quite an interesting start to the game, really, because there were these little sprinklings of attack for the home side. And, you know, Bournemouth were were guilty of coasting, as they were through much of the game.
1: Definitely. Uh, They showed early promise uh, when they attacked. I mean, thankfully, I I thought Chris Meppham yesterday, for me, he was man in the match. And and Lloyd Kelly, defensively, was uh, was really good. Um, So... They they had a few of our chances. There was another one later on where they uh, actually uh, hit the crossbar, but they petered out after a while, and uh, uh, they were targeting, obviously, Zamora. They they see him as the inexperienced guy, and for the first 15, he he did look shaky, but he settled into the game, and he made some great underlaps uh, uh, as the half went through, but it was a bit of a stalemate, and Huddleston, you know, he's gonna play that quarterbacking role and ping out balls and uh and try and release players, but they didn't capitalise on it um, early doors. But uh we settled in and uh yeah, it was a it was a tritional battle really. Uh there was an injury obviously in the first half as well that they had and yeah, uh, frenetic but with no momentum on either side, really.
3: Yeah, exactly. they there weren't these sustained spells of, of pressure from a side. It was just um, almost like a sort of, yeah, like a game of basketball, slow game of basketball. It, it, it wasn't wasn't particularly great. I mean, one thing that I sort of noticed is our left flank seemed to be a bit more productive than our right. And Jordan Zamora was was going forward. And sometimes it looks like he's going to sort of lose the ball. He almost runs like Raheem Sterling at times um, because he looks almost a bit like he's going to get knocked over and a bit unsteady on his feet. But I think that uncertainty sometimes puts off the defenders. They don't really know which way he's going. He went on a number of runs. And how is it? Keith, at the left side, with our two basically graduates from the academy, and Jade Anthony and Zamora. I think, by the way, speaking of Anthony, I think he did all right up to a point, and that point was getting into the box because then it went wrong. How is it that that side did better than the the seasoned pros of Jack Stacey and David Brooks? Because um, they did feel like a, such an imbalance.
1: It it, it did, and uh, and that was apparent throughout the game. Uh, Zamora. Bundles of energy. Of course, Anthony and Zamora are inexperienced, but they, they they show intent. They show mm. they want to get into the box, get to the bylines, create uh, crossbacks in—you uh, know—for oncoming midfielders. And we'll get on to that a little bit later. But they—they they just boundless enthusiasm about it, and you can forgive them for making little mistakes or, or, or getting Great. a little bit caught out of position, but. Zamora's pace is, is is exceptional and I like the underlaps and I like that there's an intention to actually drive the game forward and they were they were um, at sixes and sevens at sometimes times when, when Zamora was making, as I say, underlapping runs and playing off Anthony and this is where we miss Billing because he feeds mm. off that as well That and triangle work
3: well together, don't they?
1: Yeah, and uh, we didn't have that yesterday It's 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 just so baffling. Why, Stacey, first game back and you could say rim rusty, but mm. but uh, the, the the longer the game went on, Brooksy was getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And mm. for someone we want as an inside forward, um, you know, we want him to be, you know, um, taking the attack forward. But mm. again, yesterday it, it didn't show, and he's pressing as well. Brooksy's pressing. He was off like two, three meters off, and he didn't seem to want to get into the full-backs and triggering them. And obviously, Stacey was playing more of an anchoring role. He made some overlaps, but it was it's it's so baffling because th- this is a guy with talent, and mm. it just doesn't seem to be consistent enough, Brooksy, to, to he's not being challenged at the moment, but if if we brought someone in, you know. I wonder uh, I wonder if he'd get his place. So, I don't know, Sam. It's really, really strange.
3: It is. I mean, look, no one's um, obviously uh, pouncing on, on Parker just yet. But I thought the way he plays is the high press. Because you're forcing the goalkeepers, defenders into making errors. And you can turn them over quite quickly and hopefully take advantage. But it looked like Hull weren't that great at the back. I've got to say through the times that they had the ball, they always seemed to want to get rid of it fairly quickly. They didn't seem to be a a team that was overly comfortable with playing out from the back. Albeit they did, but they did that because we didn't put the pressure on them. Whereas if we did that, I think we'd have had a bit of success and we saw that through Solanke's chance that we'll obviously go on to in the second half. The goalkeeping blooper that happened a bit like uh, Nyland the other day against Norwich. He he gave it away, but I don't know. It just it just didn't seem to be um, the style of football that that we all sort of know and uh, grew to love from certain times when we've seen it. The last 20 minutes against Birmingham, I thought was exceptional. The first 45 against Blackpool was very good before we um, fluffed our lines. And, uh, you know, uh, there is an identity and it is creeping in. But I don't know, I'm Perhaps I'm just being a bit too impatient, Keith, am I? It can't happen overnight.
1: Well, I mean, the whole thing that was sold to us is Scott Parker is playing this expansive attacking football and it showed that he, he wanted to play with one holding midfielder and, and, and get those centre midfielders running, running off Solanke and get the best out of Solanke because you create that tension that Solanke does when he comes deep, he sucks in defensive midfielders, he sucks in centre backs, and you create that, particularly in the half space between the full back and the centre yeah. back, you create that that space. And Phil and uh, Emilio yesterday both like exploiting that, and 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 that means that the centre backs have to face back to their goal because they haven't to scramble and that never happened yesterday. It was more like Woody's, like four, two, three, one at points. Uh, that, yeah. that 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 we were battling in the midfield, but we weren't dominating and pressing forward. And the press and the off for the ball work was completely different from what we've seen. We seemed to be set apart from Dom. Um, nobody else was really pressing high. So you can't ask Dom to do everything for us. You know, to press, to. to make runs and everything like that he needs support I didn't see it yesterday and that was really frustrating
3: yeah it was now for those watching on YouTube you'll see Dom Solanke heading the ball towards goal and that happened on around 17 minutes because just before that Lewis Potter curled a shot wide for the Tigers but it wasn't really any threat and as the game wore on I felt like Hull's chances that, you know, they weren't overly clear cut, apart from one that we'll talk about in the second half and Keith briefly mentioned. But there was a a cross that came in from Marcondes and Solanke rose highest at the near post and he forced a good save from the keeper, but the ball ricocheted back off Solanke and uh, went over and it was a goal kick to Hull, but, you know, a really clear chance for us. And um, it was nice to see us manufacture a, a chance because up until that point, Keith, Lots of possession, but doing absolutely nothing with it.
1: It was a lot of crab ball, wasn't it? It was going side yeah. to side, and there wasn't any purpose in the passing. I mean, possession football is is all about creating that tension, as I was saying a little bit earlier. That that you're dragging in defensive players out of position, you're creating space, you you're attacking the space as well, yeah. and that was we were devoid of that until that point. And Makondis was quiet yesterday, but he kept on in both the first and second halves exploiting the space. But nobody was picking him up from our no. side to play him in. And But when he did get in, and I think there was also another chance he put a, a, a ball across the box yes, as well. Yes, he did, uh, yeah. And, and, and you're just thinking, that's just crying out for uh, a billing or a... Solanke, you know, because the, the, the centre-backs are coming and having to face their own goals and ca- creates all sorts of chaos or, or Anthony to drift into the box. Even one of those three, with the quality of that ball, you can make something out of it, get a corner yeah. or get a shot on target or something. But it was few and far between. It was like knocking it about at the back and, 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 and they play it into Solanke, but he's got two or three on him and he has to pass it back and then knock it about again. I mean, Solanke was working ever so hard, but he wasn't getting any help to to go forward. And um, yeah. apart from Anthony, but as I say, Brooks was getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And yeah, it was really frustrating yesterday.
3: Yeah, it, uh, it really was. And uh, sometimes you just want that instinctive, striker to gamble and when those balls were hit across the box yeah Marcondes he got the other side of his marker and f- flashed it across there and just someone just throw their body at it just someone mm. someone and the, you know that's where certain players like Phil Bill they they sort of attack late and um or just an instinctive striker that that'll be in the right place I, I don't quite think Solanke is quite yeah that he is quite there whether he ever will be we're not too sure it was really good though to see Jefferson Lerma out there on the pitch though, and he was he was he was pulling the strings. Ben Pearson less less so much. I I, I thought I, I didn't think it was one of his better games for us to be fair.
1: No, no, uh, you know uh, it was both of those players are, are very defensive minded. They want to win the ball and then play. It play someone off, you know, they make a pass out rather than driving and running on. And although Lerman was the more advanced of the two, they both seemed to be content with just winning the ball and then Mm. trying to lay it off to a a number of passes that were going out to, to the sidelines, just trying to lay it off and get other people involved where we really wanted drive and energy in there. So they're quite similar in that way, but but Pearson, we know he can pass little mm. dinks over the top for Solanke to run onto or McCondis to run onto or Anthony to run off to, or even even if he if he had been advanced, you know, something that Brooksy can latch on to. And mm. but there was none of that. It was all very short passing. Um for most well, all the first half and most of the second half. There wasn't the variation of passing that again, we've seen before, you know pinging it out wide from Lloyd, uh, Lloyd Kelly uh, or little thinks over to get behind the line. So there was very little that Solanke could do. All he could do mm-hmm. was just suck in defenders and try and create the space for creativity. But the only creativity was McCondes and nobody picked him up. So that was really, really baffling, I thought.
3: Yeah. And ju- so just before the first half ended, uh, jo- uh, Hull had a great chance. And Jordan Zamura with her last... Gasp challenge managed to get his foot in there. I think it started off on their left flank the ball came across in tall intents and purposes. I think most, most people in the stadium probably thought it was going to end up in the back of the net. But he's done a few of them now, and he's proven to be quite quite a find on that left side. And from what I've seen of Leaf Davis so far, I'm not I'm not overly convinced by him yet. You know, Jordan Zamora is um it's his place to lose at the moment, isn't it?
1: Yes, and he, I think he's an improvement on what we had last season. I mean, I, I, I didn't mind Rico. I thought he, he's a great lad, great attitude. But sometimes the quality wasn't there. But for a youngster, Jay-Z has been uh, exceptional. Oh, yeah. and, and, and he's shown maturity in his game. First game, you could argue he was out of position. But because he's got pace, because he's working hard for the team, he will make. He seems to be making those tackles, and he's getting a, a great all-round game. He's great going forward, almost like a winger, but he can also gets back and and, and makes those last titch tackles, and they're game-saving. So he mm. is really set out of his stall, and he's sh- sh- also showing a little bit of leadership out there. He's showing intention that he wants to attack, he wants to get at other, uh, you know, at the, the opposition team, but. But others are just a little bit, uh, we've been disjointed in our selections. Uh, so there's a little bit of excuse for that. But he's showing up. A lot of players that are, you know, who are rated highly, yeah. he's showing them up. And um, I think he's brilliant. And I think he's, he's different from what we usually have. He's not, perhaps, delivery isn't as great, but his energy and, and his enthusiasm for the game and, and, and his development has been brilliant.
3: Mm, yeah, it really has. So, half time it was, and there was an interesting stat that I uh, saw come through on, on one of the forums that said before the game, AFC Bournemouth were actually rock bottom in the chances created table. We've only managed 32 shots so far. To put that into context, Coventry have had 60 and Birmingham have had 68, but our saving grace has been our finishing where we're standing at the top of the conversion table with 25% of our shots finding the back of the net, which is miles clear of anyone else. And, you know, you're sort of looking at the stats at half-time and you're noticing, like, AFC Bournemouth have, um, have have had more shots, have had more chances, have had more possession. But, but, but it didn't feel like that, Keith. It just didn't feel like it. No, as I say, it felt very
1: similar to last season. As I say, quite a conservative way from where I was sitting, quite a conservative way of playing. Uh, as I say, Jeff Jeff has played that advanced yeah. uh, role, but it, he, he's he's a ball winger by by nature. That's his game. He's not really renowned for attacking half spaces, and it showed yesterday. You can't. You had, to, uh, as I say, they seemed to just completely miss out Emilio, who was drifted into space, and we didn't seem to want to dominate the game. Mm. This was crying out for me for Kilkenny to be in the team, but uh, to to give that bit of creativity, that give that bit of drive, those little little um, turns that he does off an opposition and drive forward and bring bring energy into the midfield. But um, it was more like, as I say, some of Woodgate when he set it up quite conservatively, and I wonder if Scott has set it up not to lose the game because he. He may have seen something in the midweek that, that concerned him. But there was no reason to fear this team. I mean, Hulston's obviously a good player and Livermore is, is a decent player. Mm-hmm. But this is not a team that's going to set the world on fire. And personally, I thought they were there for the taking. But the chances created, it, it's, a, it's a strange stat because 4-3-3 is all about chances creating chances and and, and creating Absolutely. Uh, shots on car- target and it seems to be we, we're getting a little bit more conservative and and, 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 and uh, more pragmatic which is not something I'm said people know I'm, I'm not particularly a, a fan of I like to go and win a game rather mm. than prevent, uh, prevent losing it but it seemed that way yesterday.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So there were a couple of chances for both sides within space of about four minutes in the second half. And the first one was where Marcondes again was in a was in a really good position. We want to throw in inside the whole half and quickly threw it to Emiliano, and he was shepherded wide, but he managed to get this cross in. And again, just missed everyone, and just, just someone throw their body at it, but you know no one did. And then huge, huge chance for Hull. Where Doherty, they were—I mean, they were inches, centimeters, millimeters away from taking the lead. He he found acres of space in the box from Coyle's cross, and his header was sent crashing against the crossbar. Uh, And then, less than sixty seconds after that, Solanke had that chance that the uh, the goalkeeper for them, Ingram. He, It was a poor pass and it was an instant snapshot. He had more time than he thought, saved by the Hull goalkeeper. Huge moments in that game, eh?
1: Absolutely. It was a bit frantic at that point. <laughs> yeah. He thought, oh my words, Where, where's this going to go? I mean, um, in Venice to Solanke, I, 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 he had been pressing all game and he's been dropping deep, going up and down trying to make something happen. I think it surprised him a little bit that it came on to him so quickly. Yeah. But it shows you the benefit of good pressing. You could create mistakes in the in their back line, in their midfield, hmm. that we could capitalise on. We weren't doing that yesterday. So it was quite, you know, quite something to see. I, I mean, it, the, the goalkeeper was really there for, uh, for the taking. He had made mistakes. He kicked the ball out. Uh, out of play as well and uh, he looked nervous and you know Dom was trying to force things to happen but uh, uh, but the, the the cross from McCondash no one capitalised on it uh, again because Dom's been deep he's coming in a little bit too late but there's n- again missing Billy to ghost in there and just put it away or and a little bit of lack of experience from Anthony yesterday Um uh, you know, to just to read that, read that pass or read that intention of passing. Um, it clearly showed. And, but defensively, yes, they had a, an effort. And again, it's a big ball in wide and, uh, and trying to capitalize on our lack of height. Um, yeah. I mean, Meps and, and, and Kelly are not small, but no. we're not the tallest team. And, um, yeah, so so they they obviously had a game plan second half, but again it petered all out, and it was a little bit uh, a little bit yeah jaded. I, I thought at the towards so, yeah, the from both sides, they looked tired.
3: Yeah, I I thought that as well because uh, the it it was almost like the Cherries fans didn't believe that we were going to score as well because we had a number of corners and yeah you know there was all the Boston back of the net, but there was one where. Solanke put it wide and it was it, it was actually quite a big chance. But, we, you know, there wasn't that kind of head in hands reaction from the Cherries fans. It was almost despondency um, because we were just so poor and we're, you know, so not clinical. But, yeah, that Solanke chance, some people are saying that he had more time. Than, but when you're in that situation, you just hit it hard, low quite often it goes through the keeper's legs I you know I'm not really sure what he was trying but you know for someone that in the previous match maybe overthought it by taking too many touches against the uh Blackpool keeper that was uh you know coming to meet him this time he hit it first time and you know he's not going to get it perfect every time so maybe he had that in the back of his mind in that split second that he had and just thought you know I need to leather this because there could be a defender right on my arse um as it was he did have a bit of time and it he wasn't. His body wasn't set in the in the perfect position for it, but he got the shot on target, and it was a shame. But yeah, before that, it, it was one of the only times that sort of Kelly and Meppam had, had been caught flat-footed a little bit. But it was it was a good header. But weirdly, Nyland had it covered. I think I you know I don't I don't think. Um, oh, I don't know. It's easy to say, but, I, you know, when that header came in, I wasn't worried, which is a bit of a weird one. But um, like you say, it did, it did peter out throughout the game, I've got to say. And one of the things that I just got, um, you know, really frustrated by was just we then we had a purple patch, but then we started to sit back a little bit and then we commit these stupid fouls in Hull's final third. So uh, Pearson did it once. I think someone else did it. And you know what? We're awful at, you know, we're not great at defending set pieces. We, you know, you know we're not too great at them. So why are we so ill-disciplined at times when, you know, squeaky bum time like, in matches? It's, it's not great.
1: No, I don't know if it's frustration uh, that, that the guys know they're not playing to their potential. Um, but it, th- there's a number of things that are happening. Uh, I, I, I want to come back to Brooks again. He had a chance, mm. I think, in the second half as well. He was clear he could go down the line, and you expect him to, again, play, it, play a ball across and try and create things. If Dom's living off scraps, he's not going to put them away. I don't know any, even the top-class strikers, they get, mm. they, they get the chances, but you have to create the chances. He goes down the line, then he stops, and then he goes, oh, I'm going to go inside again. And he's thinking, look, come on, you know, just just create something. And the other thing I noticed yesterday is how rigid they were. As I say, this is meant to be expansive, uh, attractive football. I didn't see the, 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 the inside forwards swapping over so they become wingers yeah. to put balls in the box. I didn't see any rotations in the middle of the park, um, you know, to, to take some pressure off uh, Macondes, switch it around a little bit, cause them to think and, um, you know, McCondes could swap over for Solanke and get some movement there and, and, and off-balance them. We were so easy to read yesterday, and as I say, this 433 that Scott is advocating, it's all about destabilizing defenses, causing that tension, creating spaces, triangles. N- that wasn't apparent to me yesterday. And, uh, and and consequently, I don't think it's complacency, it's like a frustration. So that's he's got the international break coming up. He needs to work on that. But mm. all the good work seemed to be undone yesterday. I know we had a shocking result midweek. But mm. that was a scratch team. This is meant to be the final eleven we're looking at.
3: It didn't look like it to me. No. Set pieces also I thought our corners were were really bad, you know, contrast that with the Against Birmingham City, where Eberson Rossi was going up to Junior Stanislas and basically directing him where he wants it, whereas quite often we couldn't get it over the first man. So that was another cause of concern. And Hull, I think they, they, they looked as though they were happy to get the draw. The further the game went on, and they, but they did look dangerous when we were giving away those needless fouls I just mentioned. They looked very organised, and they were kind of side that, you know, they were inviting us to you attack them, but we needed a bit of invention and we didn't have that and we didn't have that and that's just really frustrating Um, and as it was, the match petered out and, you know, we've got another draw and frustrating, you know, yes, you can sort of label it as being unbeaten, but for me, I'm looking at certain games this season thinking, you know, you've got to get three points there and, yeah, that was one of them for me.
1: Absolutely, we've got Cardiff coming up We've got Barnsley. I, I, I've no doubt they're not going to change that much. I know it's a new manager, but they seem to be similar types of managers coming in. Cardiff, look, you know, they've got Kiefer Moore in there and he could mm. cause us a, a whole load of problems. And then we've got Warburton's QPR, who are playing attacking football and uh, and showing tension. And we can't just drift in and out of games. And, the, the ill discipline as well, uh, you know, to give away free kicks in the final third, and and uh, you know we're they're targeting our set pieces already. We're just gifting it to them, and the lack of intensity, the lack of just basic footballing intelligence. Just just mm. think, you know, think about it more rather than playing the same old balls all the time. Again, I, I don't want to pick him out, but Brooks just seems like he's uh, one move that I'll come in off the of the. And he was playing quite narrow at times as well,
0: which, mm.
1: which was baffling. And and and, but Stacey wasn't getting the overlaps. Uh, maybe a lack of energy, he's coming back of injury, but it just keeps on making the same moves as though, you know. I'm going to get something out of it. Well, the the, the the definition of insanity is keep repeating the same thing over and over again. It's not like the opposition don't have VCR and don't look at that and think, how are we going to combat it? Why not discover there's a left-hand side, Brooksy, and actually use your left foot to, to create something or come into the 10 position and just look for space? But whether it's been told that by three managers now – or whether he thinks I'm a one-trick pony remains to be seen. But I, I don't want to pick him out because yeah. he, he wasn't the worst performer on there. But it was flat and it was lifeless. And, and we could be into deja vu again. But mm. I, I hope Scott, you know, and I thought I thought him walking off yesterday, that is a tale in itself. Uh, you know, not coming over to clapping the fans who come a long yeah. way up the, uh, up the country to see, you know, the 300 of us, 400 of us who went to see it and just walk off. And it's all, it was, for the first time, it unsettled me. And I, I, I've been quite positive about Parker, but I can't say it, yesterday was uh, was an mm-hmm. exemplary uh, from everyone.
3: Yeah, he, I'm sure he's frustrated. I'm sure he's, I mean, I'm sure he's, he's, exp- he may be angry, annoyed at what he saw. I, I, I don't quite know, but Bournemouth fans made a five-hour pilgrimage to get behind the boys. We, you know, we were trying to sing throughout, and to not be clapped. I mean, Eddie Howe, like, we, took, you know, he was a brilliant manager, but we sometimes had some awful performances, absolutely awful. You know the. Like we got smashed by teams, you know Manchester City in the Premier League before that in the Championship, Huddersfield, Watford, and like actually, like one of them wasn't a bad performance. But um, you know, there were times where we put in some real shockers. But he would always make sure the players come over and he would clap us away himself. Always, absolutely, Sam. And I would, I would imagine Jason would have done the same because
1: he's brought up in that culture. You know, he came up through that culture. You think of the great managers of the past I don't I, I don't know Mel mention I'm sure he would have made his t- players clap I'm sure um, you know Driscoll certainly did to just walk off I, you have to be professional and you have to show the appreciation of fans and I'm sure he's frustrated with it but um, I, I don't imagine Woody you know he says after every podcast or every interview he did up the cherries, showed enthusiasm, showed he wanted to be at the club. And whatever's going on, you know, Scott's new here. He's got a lot of hard work to win over fans. And bringing in our ears is what Fulham fans have been saying. Mm. And uh, he hasn't got media, darling, to cover it up with us. He's got to show, hold up a minute, these guys have spent a lot of money coming up here, getting up at the crack of dawn to support the team. And 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 just to slink away, uh, is something I would expect from maybe uh, Jimmy Quinn, but I don't expect it from someone who who has said I want to be here. This is the place I want to be. So you know he's got to he's got to do a lot more to win over the fans than than just just going off and then giving a a, a rather lacklustre post match interview as well. You know, I'm, I don't want him to go or anything like no, that. No, no, but actually no, yeah. show that you want the job, irrespective of what is happening upstairs or in the board or whatever. Show that you want the job. You've got a lot to prove. And and as I say, we've had Fulham fans tell us, you know, it hasn't always been great with them. This is a clean slate for him and his coaching team. Show it. Just show it.
3: Mm. I just wonder who it is now within the club that instills those values. It was always Eddie before. It was always Eddie that used to, uh, you know, tell players and, you know, show them the videos about the ethos of the club and what it means to be a Bournemouth fan. I, I just wonder who who's now responsible for doing that. Scott Parker won't know, so it's got to come above that. Um, I don't know if Jeff Mossy will get involved in it, but you know that's not the type of thing a Bournemouth manager does. But I'm sure there could be reasons for it, which. Um, Obviously, we don't quite know. Uh, and we finish um, this sort of like part of the season, as I said, in the playoff positions in, in sixth place, I think. I think we stay there because uh, West Brom got their late winner at Peterborough. But, uh, Keith, first few games of the season, first five games of the season, then what are your overall thoughts? Mixed bag, mate. Mixed mm. bag. Um, just
1: remember that, you know, people criticize Jason. I think this time last year, maybe in third or fourth, we're sixth. And I, I, I hope there's some improvement. He's got two weeks to work on it and uh, for, uh, for Scotty. And we're trying to get behind him. But he's, uh, you know, but it's so much inconsistency. The promising hope at the start of the season and pre-season has sort of dissipated into this. I've got to play pragmatic football, I've got to get this, whether that comes from upstairs, it's certainly not coming from the fans. Hmm. They're not the, nobody's set out our expectations. We're all quite we all accept it's a long-term project. but there's a bit a, a, a mindset change certainly this week that I've got to get points I've got to get points rather than say, take your time. Obviously the window is stressful for every manager, hmm. for every club. And obviously the finances are precarious, but he would have known that before he came in. I would have assumed. And we were talking about the values of the club. Richard Hughes played for us. He's mates with Eddie. He has no excuses or hiding places not to know those, vanages, uh, those values. And and he had the big man. He's still in the coaching yeah. uh, squad. And Sean Cooper and Ann O'Connell. They've all played for us. They all want to know what it's like to wear the red and black. And if you're coming in and you want to impress, get your CV, be, be the media, darling, you've got to show it in, in, in your attitude. And the nice suits, I welcome that. Hmm. But as I say, yesterday overall, yeah, it, 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 it sort of makes you question uh, as I say, I'm not wanting him out, and I'm really no, patient it, yeah. with people. But uh, he didn't cover himself in glory yesterday. No. Um, and, and uh, that, you know, I expect a lot more from, from any manager of any team. Uh, and he didn't do that yesterday, I thought.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we always like to have your thoughts. We had a number of people who joined us outside the stadium, but also we've had a few thoughts that have been submitted. So these were the thoughts of Daniel from Florida.
0: I'm kind of disappointed today because we had so many chances and something what I saw after the game, it gave me a Jason Tyndall vibe. Like we exactly played how we played with one Drake's Jason Jason Tindall this game. And hopefully it's not like that, because I really do like Scott Parker. I think he's a really good manager. And hopefully we can do better next time. I feel like we we shouldn't be making those silly mistakes. Dom Solanke, what is he doing? He should be scoring those chances he gets. We didn't play bad, but I feel like we should have done way, way, way better when we were attacking. Defense, our defense was amazing. I'll probably give my man of the match to Jack Stacy. He was amazing. I just feel like we have our defense good. We just might need to fix that attack. Hopefully when some players come back, we'll be better. And yeah, and what's going on with Steve Cook? Um, they said in the, COVID, in the, when they were talking about the game that he, there's no sickness or anything. He was just not selected. That, to me, that was pretty
3: weird. Hmm. Interesting comments there about Jack Stacey. I think, you know, a lot of us are looking up at him and, and Kelly as having better games, but, you know, each to their own. We've also got Filippo, uh, the Cherries legend from Italy that sent in his views too.
2: Hi, Sam. Hi, guys. Back in Rome, back with the kit and back on the second look for uh, this game against... Al City, uh, I didn't record uh, and send anything to Sam uh, after the 2-2 draw against Blackpool because I was I was frustrated and uh, also after the um, the six 0 defeat against Norwich in the Carabao Cup because uh, that was just nothing to say and uh, about yesterday game. Um, well, I I think that we really played well. And we had uh, lo- lots and lots of chances, especially with Dom Solanke, when uh, when he hit the ball with the head, saved by the keeper, and then the ball bounced on his head, and and went wide. So unlucky. But then he had to score when the when the keeper gave gave him the ball. It was one uh, one versus one, so massive chances. Uh, and uh City had uh, had a chance uh, as well, but uh, only one chance. When they when they hit the crossbar in the in the second half and um, and well uh, so we had the chances to win this game but we need to be more consistent absolutely we we must be more consistent because uh, if we drop these points these points are vital against the newly promoted team in every league because if we later in the season. Uh, can win against uh, Fulham at, uh, at Craven Cottage uh, it doesn't change anything so we we need these points we we need these points now the the international break hope that we recover uh, other players really happy really happy to see Jefferson Lerma back on the pitch after the after that uh, six games ban it was uh, absolutely mad from the from the English football league uh, but anyway, next game uh, after in, the international break is uh, Basley at home uh, on Saturday, September 11 on my on my birthday actually. And then let's hope uh, let's hope for the best. The season is uh, is still is still long, but other uh, teams are running are, are running, uh, especially Fulham and West Brom, and also QPR, and uh, at a strong start. So. Let's hope for the best in the next game and up the cherries. Thanks, guys, for having me.
3: Love it up the charities, and I love to do the accent as well. That is superb, Filippo. And yeah, pressure now is on those matches that he says Barnsley and QPR. I think you know, we're looking at these games as being must win matches, and we had that under Tindall, and we ended up drawing a lot of them. So let's let's hope that those. One point's turn into three, Keefe And Keith, amazing to have you on today. It's, it's good that some people can be relied upon, uh, whereas others can't. Tom Jordan, just woken up from my second nap of the day, he says. He tweets on saying, away days, take it out of me, it seems. Already eagerly anticipating Cardiff mind. Eight likes. So what's your message to Tom Keefe?
1: Thankfully, there's professional people to bail him out, but uh, no, exactly. he was absolutely hilarious yesterday, really enjoyed, uh, yeah. he's, he's just a, such a character, and uh, uh, obviously, what we'll do is we'll get him a little blanket, and it's a mobile team uh, the night before, so he's all fresh, ready for Cardiff, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll look after him, because he's a frail old I had his foot in my face. I, the way know, I was about here, to say so. that.
3: I was about to say that he was so fast asleep that he started to stretch out, and yeah, he was um his sole of his foot was nearly in contact with your cheek, mate. But thankfully, uh, he he woke up in time. But it was a good day, wasn't it? It was a good day, and it oh. it just it just reinforces the fact that football, and especially away days, it's everything. Sometimes it's everything around the game and not the game itself. And yeah. um that that was one of them yesterday. If we have the added bonus of of having a having a one nil win in the last minute, a scuffed shot, or, or even if it's a four 0 or whatever, um, it's even better. But um enjoyed enjoyed yesterday, Keefe, with you. Definitely, definitely. And we'll have to do it again, won't we? to hear from keithy t there milford on c's sexiest man not my words but his own thanks very much keithy really appreciate the feedback and the chat on that dreary nil nil we need to really start getting some results i think the pressure's on scott parker for the next couple of games now can we get some decent results in the bag they are certainly much needed Once again, this podcast comes from our YouTube channel where we exclusively premiere them on Sunday night on our Second Look show. So if you're not subscribed already, head to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast where you can listen to the whole thing. And look, we've had a couple of requests to try to port all our YouTube stuff directly to Pod. There's probably a way to do this. I don't quite know. haven't looked at it. If there's a way to do it seamlessly, we'd happily put every single podcast up there. However, we will will find out. And if we can do it, we'll do it. Because why not add some more value to the back of the net proposition? So keep your eyes peeled. If that is the case, there'll be some changes with the way to how this podcast sounds but ultimately it'll benefit you because you get more cherries content and given the fact on the youtube channel we're putting out content nearly every day it might be handy for people who are driving to work and just want a bit of afcb goodness to listen to we'll keep you informed on that but in the meantime thank you so much for listening to back of the net the afc bournemouth podcast